shut up. Uh, hello, good good morning, afternoon, and whatever. This is the Royal Deluxe Podcast special crossover special. I have been humbled by the great Jacob Milham of the Royals Rundown Podcast. I was invited to be a guest on that show, although we're doing a cool dual release sort of thing, so we're still going to get the Royal Deluxe, and it's technically going to be featuring... Jacob Milham of the Royals Rundown Podcast. So that's a first for both ways. It's the first time I've had a guest on this podcast, and it's the first time I've guested on someone else's podcast. Whoa! Crazy! We're making friends in the royal sphere. That's amazing. We love to see it. So yeah, this episode, we're going to have him basically take control of the discussion and lead the way, and I'm just kind of here filling in and answering some questions and giving some thoughts about some things, which is what I normally do, I think. Do I think? What do I think? Uh, anyway, check out Royals Rundown Podcast and Inside the Royals. Yeah, thanks for listening. As always, hope you're having a good one. All righty, so I'm sitting down here with the host of the Royals Deluxe Podcast. How are you doing tonight, sir? I am doing wonderful. Uh, this is actually the first time I'm collaborating with someone else in the Royals community. So thank you very much for the opportunity. Of course, man. So it's, you know, we all kind of got to support each other. And I've definitely listened to your podcast before. Um, and I know I especially right. know how tough it is to make a podcast every single week on your own. Like when you don't have that other person to bounce off of. So hey, kudos to you. You're doing great work over there, man. Thank you so much. And sorry that I couldn't be on a little sooner and, you know, kind of left you hanging for a bit. <laughs> <laughs> all is well. All is well, man. So, hey, look, um, we're, we're all smiles here right now on the podcast because it's was a pretty good, uh, a pretty good weekend for the Kansas City Royals. You know, won three out of four against the visiting Boston Red Sox uh, as I, I don't know. You why, did it again. Boston. Boston. The visiting Boston Red Sox. <laughs> <laughs> um, but hey, I I thought it was a pretty dang good series for the youth movement. Um, multiple, you know, it was a pretty big. Uh, what's the word? What's the word? Pretty big run differential in the overall series, so that was good. And then yeah. we have that lovely walk off win from Nick Prado. What do you think this weekend, man? Yeah, this was a really fun weekend overall. It's kind of the the weekend that we've been hoping for with the Royals. We've been asking for them to let the kids play, as they always say. And we got a sneak preview of it in Toronto. And, you know, it really was like a nice sneak preview because we got that one win where everyone was super high energy. Everyone was amped. And then we kind of we had a couple of close games that we couldn't quite get. And it was like, well, unfortunate, but we're at least seeing what these guys are capable of. So finally getting some actual dubs in a full series with pretty much that same roster. It's really fun to see. It's like, oh, finally, this is what we've been waiting for. And this is a team that we can start to look forward to for the rest of the season, like for the foreseeable future. Right. And it's, you know, it's not just one or two players that we're kind of monitoring anymore. It's it's all up and down the lineup. You got you got guys that are progressing that are exciting to watch again. Um, you know, people will say what they want to say about Hunter Dozier. I guess he still has a place <laughs> on in this Royals lineup. But I mean, today's lineup was, was pretty dang young. It really embraced that let the kids play movement. 
Um, and, you know, MJ Melendez has really been the at the forefront of that. T- today alone, he had a six RBI day and he is the first player who has not turned 24 yet to do so um, in a Royals uniform since Eric Hosmer in 2013. So that's wow. a uh, that's a great step forward. You know, we all loved that core of Gordon and Moose and Hosmer. And, you know, if if we can kind of get that together again, I think the future is very bright. What do you think? Absolutely. And it's very fitting that he would do this in the series that Hosmer was visiting. <laughs> that's that's what I thought. Hey, what did you uh, what did you think about the about the reception at Kaufman? I thought it was I thought it was pretty warm for Hosmer. Oh, absolutely. I loved the tribute that the Royals made the little video they showed. I actually got goosebumps from that. Like kudos to the kudos to the video staff or, and whoever's doing that. So that was cool. And yeah, it's just been great seeing Hosmer because it's just because of very uh, unfortunate circumstances, like 2020 wiping out the Padre series we were supposed to get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he's like the one guy that we haven't seen yep. since 2017. So finally getting him back this season, it was nice. And it, especially because it just hasn't gone well for him in San Diego. And I understand, I, I understand how people in San Diego feel about him. I really do. But here he is still a hero. He's still a champion. We still love him. And yeah, I, I really hope he does well in Boston. Dude, it, it doesn't look like the guy's aged a day either. Like he's still got the the lined up <laughs> beard and still got the, the long floppy hair. It's, yeah, he looks great. He looks fantastic. He <laughs> so um, look, some big storylines from from this series, of course, MJ Melendez's offensive output. Everyone's going to be talking about that one. But something we do have to monitor is his defensive positioning. Mm-hmm. Um Sir, so I know I know you had some pretty choice opinions about this. What, what do you think about kind of where they've been slotting MJ Melendez? Yeah, um, so the the big blight on MJ's career in the in the big league so far has been his catching, which is not great. And the thing is, I would expect it to get better, or at least I would hope it would get better, because it's not like he was ever profiled as a bad fielder in the minor leagues as a prospect. Um, But I also don't think his ceiling as a catcher is all that high. And another thing is that no matter what, I think the Royals are going to have Salvi be the everyday catcher for at least another couple of years. So I, I don't know. I'm really just not confident in MJ's future as a catcher and seeing how well he's hitting, especially so early in his major league career, I think it would befit the Royals to put him in a position like in the outfield or really wherever, where he can uh, just get some more at bats, really just say to him like, Hey, we think your bat is a lot better than your glove. So we're going to put you in a position where you're going to get 600 at bats in a season, as opposed to like 500, where you would get, you would only get that many if you're a catcher normally. And I think that would be fine. Um, Yeah. You know what? It it would be fine. The only, and you know, we've talked plenty about his, his catching struggles. Um, I think, I think his framing has progressed 
Um, but you know, a lot of balls do get past him mm-hmm. and he is, you know, in the, in the advanced metrics world and defensive run saved, he has the worst mark on, on the team. So okay. that is, that is something to monitor as the season goes along. But the only reason why I really bring it up is he kind of, I wouldn't say that he d- looks uncomfortable in left field, but he certainly looks like he doesn't belong there. Hmm. Um, there were, I think during this series, there were some calls. Um, there's some misjudgments that, you know, you can call them growing pains. You know, he's, yeah. he's a young guy getting thrown out there in left field. You're going to have growing pains, but um, I don't know. Like, what? why not just throw him out, out and right and put someone else in left field? You know, like, do you think that they should do that? Yeah, uh, that would be fine as well. I'm not entirely sure what the mental difference between left field and right field would be. It's, it seems like it wouldn't be that much. I'm not sure. I think it's just him having to flop around different positions. You know, it's like this dude, like putting, trying to put myself in his shoes. This dude has been a catcher his whole life and his whole career. And then it's like, suddenly as he's approaching the big leagues, the Royals are like, Hey, by the way, we want you to play a completely other different (laughs) position. So I couldn't, I I'm totally willing to forgive him for any mishaps he has in the outfield. I think it would be a little better if, or rather, I think this is a problem that could fix itself. If he just gets more time to focus on a specific position, like if the Royals say, you know, like I was saying earlier, like, Hey, we think you're going to be better as like an offense first player. So this off season, don't worry about catching, try training in the outfield instead. Okay. You know what? That, that is a great point. And they certainly have enough time to amend that with MJ Melendez. He's going to be in Kansas city, hopefully for the long-term future, but absolutely. We'll have to monitor that. And there's there's a lot of baseball left. We played this year. It's uh, mm-hmm. it's not really about a playoff push for the Royals at this point. It's all about progressing these young players. So if they can do that and still win games, I think that's a that's certainly a plus. Right. Absolutely. I think that this late stretch of the season, like for the rest of the season, I think it's fine that the Royals are going to try a bunch of different things and just see what works and what doesn't. And then, you know, get with them as the offseason approaches and be like, oh, okay, this is where we think you guys are going to be next year. Right. Cause maybe, you know, again, everyone is just kind of moving around and finding different roles that maybe they didn't expect. And if they are able to settle in a little easier, maybe everyone will, you know, gel a lot better defensively. Cause that has been a big question mark for the Royals is the defense, which is a very, very important thing to this franchise. Yeah, that it is. I mean, come on. That was one of the calling cards for that World Series run was was solid defense. And it's kind of been a roller coaster this season. (laughs) Absolutely. But also think that that core was so like uh, it was so like every single day it was Alcides Escobar, shortstop, Mike Moustakas, third base, Hosmer, first base, Lorenzo Cain, center field, unless Gerard Dyson is playing, Alex Gordon, left field. Like everyone had their specific spot and they never moved from there. True. And right now we have lots of guys that could kind of go anywhere. So we'll see. Yeah, that is certainly a good point. But hey, um, you know, moving on to on to next year, one of the big well, I won't say one of the big, but one of the trade candidates for the Royals this past deadline was starting pitcher Brad Keller. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, I thought that was, that was justified. You know, his overall season numbers aren't very good, but when the man is on, he is absolutely on and could definitely, you know, help a contending team, but he is about to head into his last year of arbitration. Um, so let me just off the cuff. Do you think the Royals as of right now should look at extending Brad Keller for a fair price? Ah, you know, a couple of years ago, I was thinking that right now I'm not entirely sure. Like that's just such a, uh, yeah, I really don't know. Hey, you know what? Fair enough. So, um, Josh near of six ten, always, you know, whenever I can tune in, love listening to his post game stuff, mm-hmm. um, tweeted out earlier. Last, so Keller's last 11 starts, he's had six quality starts, but he's always alternated between good, good games and bad games. So in six good games, he has had a 1.89 ERA, absolutely electric with 32 strikeouts and only 14 walks. But in the other five games, he has a 10.02 ERA with only 15 strikeouts and 11 walks. That is absolute night and day for where you want a starting pitcher at, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, he has been strangely inconsistent this season, which is an unfortunate because Brad Keller has kind of been Mr. Consistent for the Royals in his first uh, few seasons, basically up until last year. So I guess to go back to your original question, I don't think the Royals should extend him if they're not entirely sure what's going on with him and if they can't fix whatever issue is uh, causing his inconsistencies or rather his struggles. Uh, But maybe you could shop him around to another team and they could look at him and be like, Hey, we know what's going on. Yeah. Get something out of that. We, we definitely saw that with, uh, with Jacob Junis in San Francisco. (laughs) Story of the Royals. Yeah, I know. Right. Um, And Hey, look, I know this wasn't on the topic list I sent over to you, but why don't we go and say segue into it? I've, I've talked to previous guests about um, if they had to make a choice, would they amend the Royals pitching development staff for minor leaguers or would they move on from Cal Eldred? Oh, Um, man. On the on the spot, which one would you prefer? That's a that is a great question. Um, I would just say because it's more important right now and in the immediate future, I would say the major league pitching coach should be replaced more so than anything. So yeah, move on from Cal Eldred because I really do believe that the core of pitchers that we have at the major league level or about at the major league level, like in Omaha, they have a lot of talent and I think that they just need a different approach. They just need a change in guidance. Like they're not being led to the right path to success, but maybe someone else can do that for them. And I think that can be a huge turning point for this whole team. Yeah, that, that it really could. And it would really bring a, a new dose of energy. We, we saw that with zoom Walt and the, and the other guys of mm-hmm. his, uh, of his team, you know, it wasn't, you did see an immediate kind of um, culture change, if you will. For the uh, for the hitting staff, so that that is good to know. And I, for one, I certainly hope that either one of those changes happens this offseason. Either yeah. move on from Eldred or really change up that pitching development staff. Probably, preferably both. 
Yes, preferably both. But hey, you know what? We are uh, we're Royals fans after all. So we will take whatever we can get at this point. <laughs> yeah, I do want to say um, a small point about the starting pitching is that the one thing that has been a little encouraging lately is that we're seeing guys throw six innings more often than not, which is usually a big problem with the Royals that they can't get six innings out of their guys. They usually, Mm -hmm. you know, completely fade out or reach a hundred pitches after five innings or God forbid, even less than that. But yeah, even when guys don't completely have it, you're seeing six inning starts like the last Brady singer start uh, on Wednesday. He had four runs given up, still went six innings and Daniel Lynch on Saturday also had four runs given up still went six innings and that's really really important that's like the most important thing in my opinion is that, is that these guys throw innings ironically the one guy that's not doing that is uh zach Grinky. <laughs> yeah Un- unfortunately so which you know if you if you hop on royals twitter royals facebook you know everyone has these grand ideas about zach Grinky coming back next year or mm. you know just sliding over into the royals pitching coaches spot maybe um, but I just think right now you kind of just want you want him to have some good quality starts and not really end this year in Kansas City at, in a whimper, which is kind of whimpering right now. Yeah, I'm personally not entirely confident in him going forward, but I don't know. I think Grinke's a lot smarter than me, so I won't <laughs> speak on his behalf. Hey, you know what? He is. Uh, there's some good stories about that man displaying his uh, his intelligence. And I, I ain't going to challenge him about it. Or he's going to come and find me. <laughs> All right, I, I know that for sure. Um, stick, sticking with Royals pitchers. Um, one of the so I know the initial reaction to the Andrew Benatendi trade was the fact that the Royals didn't get any top tier return for him. Mm-hmm. Um, they got they got three. I would say three quality pieces. Um, two guys in TJ Sikama and Beckway who have major league baseball ceiling, you know, mm-hmm. they, they can, they can make it with a club. Um, and today one of those pitchers in Beckway had a pretty solid outing for um, high a, uh, he went six innings today, get only had three hits, walked two batters and, you know, struck out seven. But most notably in my eyes was he got, 18 swing and misses on only 81 pitches. Um, hmm. That means that means his stuff was was absolutely working today. I unfortunately I wasn't able to watch his game at all. You know I was watching the Royals game. Yeah. So what do so my point is, are you looking for anything immediate from these prospects that the Royals have traded for, or are you just kind of hoping that they slot in and start growing? Uh. No, I guess I just hope they start growing. Um, It does concern me that the Royals picked up some kind of long-term development pieces, like those guys, basically that whole Andrew Benintendi trade is like low-level guys, and it's like, "Mm." yeah. But yeah, if the Royals can have some idea of what to do with them, that would be great. It is good to hear that uh, Beckway had a good start, though. I did not know that. Yeah, it's and hey, you know what? Ben Kuderna, Frank Mazzucato, they've been, you know, they've been up and down um, for Columbia, which is I'm, I'm still thinking about making the drive just for kicks and giggles. Mm-hmm. Um, but the there are young guys who are really working in this Royals organization. Um, the fact is they just need to be able to stretch it out for a longer 
term. And that's where more of the questions arise about the pitching development is what are they is what's going wrong? What do they need to do differently to be able to consistently perform at a good level? Not, not even great. Just just good. It's just competent. It, yeah. Yeah. So we'll definitely keep an eye out on the prospects as the season goes along. Um, I do, I do want to ask. So while we're kind of at a, at a down point, is there anything um, that's on your mind? Anything that you really noticed this weekend that you want to talk about? Uh, anything specifically, probably I just, uh, my, just got to recalibrate my brain <laughs> and figure it out. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, just really great seeing, a. Uh, the kids oh you know what really you know of course we're talking about how great it is that the kids are playing well and they got some wins but you know it's great seeing them have fun that's another thing that seems to be new with the royals this season is that we just see a lot of the players in the dugout just being like just dour honestly kind of (laughs) depressed and and overall silent uh, throughout the season and i can't blame them but then you got these guys who are really celebrating like every home run, every win, every victory. And one thing that I'm kind of noticing is that they're goofing off on social media. Yes. A lot. So when Nick Prado hit his walk-off home run, everyone, uh, I I think, uh, Bobby started it. He said, he just tweeted out Nick Prado. And then Nikki retweeted it and also said Nick Prado. And it just chained together with a bunch of different guys. And then they did that same thing again today after they won, where they just said Royals. And then they all retweeted each other. And that's like, that's like a fun little thing that, kind of takes me back to like Salvi and Locane in 2015 or so. I feel like it's a really good sign if they're goofing off on social media. That that it is. And they're just being themselves, man. They're, they're, they're kids after all. They're of course. Fun. <sighs> yeah. Man. Well, it's, it, it, go ahead. No, I said, uh, nice to see people of my generation finally playing the generation <laughs> that actually grew up with social media. Fair enough. Fair. I think, man, that was that Royals chain, that Royals exclamation mark chain was pretty deep today. Last I saw it was, it was <laughs> Vinny Pasquantino. So I don't know. I don't know how far it's uh, how far it's gone by now. Yeah. So, hey, I got to I'm going to be a downer, man. Oh, the Royals are 14 and a half games back in the wild card standing. Are they making a push? Do you think? It'll <laughs> Hey, if they continue winning three out of four throughout the rest of the season, maybe. Yeah, very true. Very true. But on, I mean, honestly, um, they're not that far back in the AL Central. I hate to say it. Um, Minnesota is is leading the Central right now, and they're only 57 and 51. Like, they're barely over 500. Yeah. That's how bad the Central is right now. S- slow division. Yes. Very much so. Well, it, it doesn't help that, you know, the East has the Yankees and the West has Houston. They're both at 70 wins already. So Central is just lagging very far behind. Yeah. Hey, you, you, you've got some divisions that are like every single team is competitive. And then you've got the American League Central, which is like every team is a failed rebuild. Yes, that is true. Or, you know, like the Detroit Tigers, they've uh, they've thrown a lot of money around and then no investment. Yeah. That's just that, that oh, has well. got to be frustrating for their fans, man. Absolutely. 
I couldn't imagine if the Royals actually went all in during an off season and nothing different happened. <laughs> Oof, that would be that would be frustrating. But hey, look, um, we got the series against Chicago White Sox coming up. We're going from the Red Sox to the White Sox. Um, I think this is going to be a good. What's the word? Good matchup. Go ahead. Good matchup. Yeah, a good a good matchup. I I was thinking like like a temperature check. Like the the Royals are oh, coming okay. off of a, a series where they were red hot against the Boston Red Sox, who are you know they're they're solid. They're right below five hundred. They're a pretty good team in my eyes. Um, and now we're going to go back up against the Chicago White Sox and let's see what these kids can really do because the the series up in Chicago before they you know they had more kids in the lineup, but. Not all the young blood was out there, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, the, the offense was pretty quiet in that whole series, and it yeah. only just kind of came back for against the Red Sox. Oh, for sure. Yeah, they only had I didn't even, they only had five runs scored that whole three game series, and they had yeah. what they well, had nearly five runs scored every game against the Red Sox. <laughs> oh man. So look, I gotta. I'm gonna go off on a tangent here. How did you react to the Prado walk off? Uh, I was just excited for it. Just really happy about it. I was. I was a little concerned because we'd seen Eric Hosmer go deep to the, like that same spot multiple times this series, and it just didn't happen. I was like, oh my gosh, this is just gonna. The ball's gonna put the brakes on in the air, and it's gonna fall. Mm. But. Sorry, I I saw the I saw the walk off designator on their schedule, and I wanted to get your opinion on it. So look, we we actually don't have any Royals baseball on Monday, which is going to be a little weird. That is but weird. I do I I am curious. Do you prefer afternoon games or evening games? Uh, I actually prefer evening games, usually because I sleep during the afternoon. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. I would, you know, I, I don't sleep during the afternoon, but I do have to agree. I It is kind of more in my evening routine of sitting down and watching the Royals play. Um, the the afternoon games are, are a little weird. You know, sometimes I'll pop them on at, at work if I can get it by. Mm. So, but that is, a, that is not too often, unfortunately. So four games coming up against Chicago White Sox. It should be a great matchup. Um, no real, we're not tracking anyone coming back from the IL as of right now. Um, we might see some transactions tomorrow. You know, the Royals, they, they do like to make some moves on Monday and Tuesday. So we will be monitoring that. Um, do, I mean, do you think that there's anyone we could see come up from Omaha or are you thinking the Royals should just kind of cool the brakes and stay where they're at? I think they're, in a good spot right now. I don't think there are any necessary changes they need to make. Okay. Understood. Hey, that's, that's a great, it's a great point to be at, especially considering where this team was at just a few months ago. Um, Another, another off the cuff thing, just for a temperature check. So I know me personally, before the trade deadline um, came and, went i was i was good with the royals playing michael a taylor a lot for boosting his trade value and frankly he was performing well defensively and at the plate so no problem with him with him staying in the lineup but 
by Clay Taylor, he does have another year of control in Kansas City. So do you think the Royals should maybe look at moving on from him in the offseason? Or do you think that they are planning on him being the center fielder in 2023? I think that he's a good offseason trade candidate. And I would say that they probably should have traded him at the deadline. But maybe I'll I'll give the Royals um, a pass because maybe they they couldn't convince other teams of his value because he is having a pretty unusual season. He's, he's never hit like this. Like he's never been an actually good hitter in his entire career. And now suddenly this season, he's striking out way less. He's walking way more. So maybe some teams are like, okay, we're not going to in, you know, invest in one guy's half season. You know, we're going to, we're not going to give you some prospects just for that. So maybe, if he gets a full season playing like this, you can get some buyers from him. But I do think that they should move on from him in this offseason because the guy I'm really excited uh, next for the Royals is Drew Waters, which is another guy that they kind of sort of got <laughs> at the trade deadline. Yeah, Complicated trade, but that's someone that I think the Royals could be looking at as their future center fielder. And I think that he'll be ready to go on opening day next year, assuming he's hitting like this the rest of the season. Well, I mean, and Drew Waters in Omaha, he's really, really turned around his whole kind of prospect trajectory um, because it wasn't amazing um, there in Atlanta. He was, he was struggling a lot of, I, and you know, take it with a grain of salt, Mm -hmm. but I, I remember seeing a lot of initial reaction to that trade with the Braves and folks were just like, this is a failed prospect. His swing was broken. Um, you're like, he's just a four a kind of guy, you know, he's too good for triple a, but he's never really going to be that guy at major league baseball level. And I don't know, man, he's, he's looking pretty, pretty dang good in Omaha defensively and at the plate. Yeah. Uh, well, it's like a, what the great Royals farm say in sailor. We trust <laughs> yeah. we've had, we've had some, some top prospects that looked like they were going to be busts and though, and sailor and zoom Walton company, they turned them around. And so when they made this trade for drew waters, I'm like, I, I believe in them. I think they can do it again. And so far I feel absolutely vindicated because he's walking a lot more. He's hitting for power. He's making contact really well. Overall, he looks, I'm actually wondering what it's going to be like uh, coming into next season, like what his prospect status will be like. Maybe he can get back to that, like top 50 or at least top 100 prospect status that he once had. Oh, for sure. I, I can definitely see him being in the top 100. And if he continues this tear that he's on, shoot, he should he should be in the top 50 in my eyes. Just for just for a little bit more perspective on how he's really flipped the script. So for Atlanta at AAA, you know, he had 49 games. He put up some pretty modest numbers, 246 batting average, uh, 57 strikeouts to only 16 walks. Not a great set of numbers there. And an 84 weighted runs created plus. Um, now I know that's not the easiest stat to understand at times, but just so you know, a higher number is a lot be- is a lot better. Yeah, 100 and is average for that. What do you say? 
100 is average for that. Yeah. Oh, th- th- thank you very much. I I could not remember for sure. But for Kansas City AAA Omaha, 20 games, a 338 batting average, only 24 strikeouts to 11 walks. Uh, most notably, in, in my eyes, nine for nine on stolen bases. Like he didn't even have nine attempts for Atlanta, um, but he's definitely going after the bags. And he has a 174 weighted runs created plus during his time in Omaha. That is absolutely astounding. Yes, sir. So we will definitely be monitoring him as the winter approaches. Um, One more question before we get out of here. So I know I think talks have kind of died down a little bit. Um, One of the overarching stories of this season has been the fact that the Royals might be moving out of Kauffman into a downtown stadium um, for for whatever reason, whether it's to try and attract new fans, um, get a more modern stadium set up similar to other competing teams. But I do have to say we're we're seeing a lot of, you know, ranking lists coming out, you know, talking, hey, Kaufman's like a top 10 stadium in, in Major League Baseball overall from from setting and food and atmosphere and the whole shebang. So mm-hmm. I do. Um, I'm I'm not out in Kansas City right now. I'm, I'm out here in, in Virginia, and it has been quite a while since I've been able to go out to Kaufman. Mm-hmm. So in your eyes, what do you think really needs to change at Kaufman Stadium to get the Royals to stay? Uh, nothing. Kauffman Stadium is perfect. You know, I was actually pretty open to the Royals moving because it, 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 it's an exciting prospect and it kind of fits with how the whole city has been developing pretty rapidly over the last like 10 years. I mean, it, it's it seems so weird that the Royals might have a downtown stadium, but at the same time, you couldn't even have this conversation 10 years ago. Like that's how much things have changed. So they really want to continue that. And I get that, but you know, something like came over me this year when I was at a, a game earlier and I'm like, this place is just so nice. Like I was sitting, I I was standing out in the outfield uh, a lot like standing room only along the railing right behind the fountains. And I'm like, this is the best feeling ever. And I don't want this to go away. So there is nothing that I would change about Kauffman stadium as it is. So for what the, what, whatever ownership or whoever wants to do with the stadium. Yeah. I don't know. That seems like it's entirely going to be their thing because just you know, uh, scanning the fan reactions to this, it's not a very popular decision. Because like you said, there are so many, it's not even just Royals fans, like nationwide, Kauffman Stadium is widely agreed upon to be one of the best stadiums in baseball. So there's no need to really do anything with it. So yeah, whatever ownership wants to do, it's kind of going to be their own project. And I'm kind of not really that interested in it. Fair enough. I'm I'm sure that's going to be a lot of the content surrounding this off season is if, you know, does this actually have legs or is this a whole bunch of talk, but we will be saving that for another episode, sir. I really do appreciate you, you hopping on and just have a little discussion. I hope this was a good first experience collaborating. 
Um, and I, I hope we can do it again soon. Yeah, absolutely. It was a lot of fun. So um, real fast, where can folks find your work or follow you on social media? Well, uh, I am Royal Deluxe Podcast, and you can find me anywhere you get podcasts. Hopefully, uh, if that's not the case, then please tell me because I should fix that. <laughs> Otherwise, and you can and you can tell me uh, on Twitter at Royal Deluxe Pod. Uh, it's D E L U X no E at the end of Deluxe, haha. And also Royal Deluxe Podcast at Gmail dot com. All right, there we go. Well, hey, thank you very much. I, I wait. I hang on. Have- we're actually, uh, I'm also going to be hosting you. So wh- who, who oh, are yeah, you and where yeah. can people find you? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's true. So um, on Twitter, you can find me. I'm Jacob Milham. You can find me at J Mill the Ham. Um, you can follow the podcast at Royal Rundown Pod. Um, we're, we're always putting out work over there. Um, and please, I, I need to plug them. Um, please follow our overarching website inside the Royals at inside Royals, putting out some great content over there, um, with Jordan foot at the lead. So always, always an exciting time. Um, I'm, I'm so glad we got to grow our, our network for Royals content creators and, you know, I, I had a great time. Absolutely. And I really appreciate work. I love what you guys are doing. Well, thank thank you very much. I I do appreciate that. Um, Now, hey, we got to get out of here before Zoom kicks us off. Oh, no.